Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. G'day, legends. Before we dive into our podcast with Brett White naming his dream team, just a little bit of a heads up. Brett is obviously in the bubble at the moment. Reception wasn't great, so there is a couple of times where the audio drops out a little bit. I've done my best to recover it, but there is a couple of moments for a few seconds where it does drop out, so I apologize for that. Uh, we've got to be better than that when recording our audio, and we've got to be more organized. But uh, just the reality of the situation this time, this is a cracking listen, though, with a champion bloke who names an all-time great team. Let's kick it off. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Raiders assistant coach, Brett White. Mate, welcome back. Thanks for having me back on now on the podcast. Mate, uh, we were meant to record this on Saturday and then all hell broke loose. Uh, the NRL, it was delayed, postponed. We weren't sure how long it was going to be. We got it back up and running in 24 hours, thankfully. But I imagine that must have been a wild day for you guys. It's been an interesting time up here on uh, in the Gold Coast Hub. We... Um Last Saturday, when we were meant to record this, we were, uh, weren't sure we were supposed to play in the afternoon. And uh, at one stage, we were told we might be going to Townsville for the game. And then we were told we might be going back to Canberra. Um, and then it got delayed to a Sunday. So it's, it's certainly um, interesting, everything going on. And, and something you know, we'll definitely all look back in you know, years to come and, and say, what about those times and, and how interesting it was. Mate, I woke up last Saturday thinking, beautiful, I've got Brett on at 11.30, the footy kicks off at 2, I'll be, oh, I, and then all of a sudden I had nine hours spare. I looked at my girlfriend and just thought, what on earth just happened to me? <laughs> it's a bit like being up here in the hub where uh, we can't can't do anything else than be in our rooms or in the team room or at training, so uh, we've got plenty of spare time up here. It's uh no, it's been really enjoyable, actually. Um, I mean, mate, like in those few hours on Saturdays, it felt like, you know, there, there was so many different options of where games were going to be played. We heard Townsville, Brisbane, we heard moving to... I, I heard WA being thrown up. It just seemed like there was rumours left, right and centre. Were there options being thrown around for you guys up there as well? Yeah, yeah, we had all the all options. And, and, and the funny thing was that the, you know, how short a time we had, you know, well, we thought we had at some stages, you know, to, to get ready to get on a plane and go where, wherever we had to, to to get the game on us. Um, 
yeah, it's really interesting with the whole dynamics of things of you know, unlimited stuff and being able to go to games and, and things like that. It is, uh, I could only imagine what it would be like in uh, NRL HQ trying to uh, trying to work through it all and, and organise it. They must have uh, some very uh, well-organised operators uh, up there sort of pulling everything together. It's been an amazing job to, to keep the footy going. Oh, mate, I mean, it's just crazy. I thought on Saturday that we'd be cooked for at least a week, to be honest with you. I can't believe they got it going within 24 hours. Did did you have your doubts on Saturday? Yeah, I suppose it's that unknown. It's, it's there. Um, you, know, you know they're doing their best to get it on, but are they going to be able to? You hear all sorts of reports that you know, um, the rumour mill starts of all, all things that possibly could happen. Uh, it's, a, it's a really good challenge, actually, for um, you know, and something we'll take you out of it. Is, you know, being able to you know, stay in the moment and, and not worry about the, the things you can't control. You just you, know, you worry about you know, being ready to go and ready to perform when um, when required to. So, as a coaching side of it, uh, we probably took a lot out of it. We, we probably didn't handle it overly well um, on the weekend, but come away from that and learn from it. Now, mate, obviously your family's arrived up there over the last few weeks. Your boys, it must be like Disneyland to them rubbing shoulders with uh, some of the big timers. But it's really interesting. My, my three boys, uh, you know, the first day they got here, the, you know, their eyes were like, like dinner plates walking around. And uh, as you could imagine, you know, five NRL teams all staying in the one resort. And you know, for young young boys walking into that and uh, you know, seeing all the stars of the game in, in, in one place and... You know, walking down, walking to their hotel room on the first day, uh, you know, walk past Latrell Mitchell and, and you know, Latrell says hello. And then they walk around a corner and, um, you know, another superstar walks past and says g'day. And, you know, they've been kicking the footy around, um, you know, with all the players and, and getting to know them. So it's the ultimate kid's dream up here at the moment for, uh, for my boys. Obviously, just on the Canberra, it has been a very interesting season. I know myself and a lot of people, we obviously uh, had them tipped to be in the grand final at the start of this season. Hasn't quite panned out, as I'm sure you guys would have expected. You're obviously still well and truly in the hunt to play finals footy, though. Is there a little bit of excitement coming into the back end that, you know, you still are in the race? And and for me, I look at you guys and I think, fuck, if, if I'm playing finals footy, one team I don't want to come up against is probably the Canberra Raiders, realistically. Yeah, it's been a really interesting year for us. We, um, you know, like everyone had had, had us tipped to you know, be a top four team, and unfortunately, we've had a lot of lot of off field stuff go on. Um, it's probably been a, a big learning part of you know the, the off field um, component of the game and how it can affect your on field performance. And um, yeah, and it has had an effect this year, definitely. Um, but yeah, we started to find our feet, and I think when we got up into these harbour in the, the hub up here that. You know, being able to you know, just spend some time with each other and, and just concentrate on our footy, we started to find some form. Um, we hit a real, real form patch against um, Para last week, um, which was, was really good and, and you know, gave everyone a confidence boost. We probably had a hiccup um, last uh, the week after with uh, Newcastle. Uh, yeah, Newcastle. So, um, yeah, we've got to get back on track and get that form back quick and keep the momentum going into the finals and give ourselves a, a shot at it. Mate, you mentioned that victory against the Parramatta Eels the other day. That was very Canberra Raiders, just in an absolute dogfight, holding on to the very end. I think it was a 12-10 victory. You obviously mentioned as well that I, I believe you're in the same hub as the Parramatta Eels. They must have been very polarising uh, squads after that game. 
Yeah, yeah, it was interesting being in the two two team rooms. Um, actually, I, I better be careful what I say as as, um, <laughs> as, as Brad Arthur just walks past. Um, so I'll just keep my, my voice down here for a minute. But uh, no, on game day uh, or the day before game day, as as most teams do, a lot of their video work, team video work. Yeah, you're sitting in the team room um, right next door to the opposite team, and you know they're doing a video session on how to beat you guys, and, and then you know, we're doing how to beat them, and then we go out out of the team room and go and get our meals um, right next to them, and uh, it, it's a really interesting um, <laughs> dynamic up here with with all that. Uh, so it was nice to get a get a win, especially um, playing the same resort as them. Uh, the next couple of days uh, after the game was a lot easier to handle. Mate, uh, let's dive into your dream team. Uh, that's why we've got you on here. And it's an unreal 13, starting off with your fullback, Billy Slater, obviously a guy that you played plenty of footy with at the Melbourne Storm. Do you have a standout memory from your time that you spent with Billy? Oh, there's many. There's, you know, I've played a lot of footy. I think it was six years with with Bill, but um, yeah, I, I think when I, I thought of my ultimate dream team, when I sort of started started with the spine, and um, I had to keep that Melbourne spine, you know, those all those um, guys together, the, the Smith um, uh, Cronk Slater combination that was um, you know, having you know, played with them, knowing how how good they are, um, that was probably the, the starting mark of having those three guys in the team. Mate, That's oh. why I went, went there with Bill. Mate, I, I, I just look back at Billy Slater's career and just such an incredible footballer. And I imagine, like, from what we see on the surface, there must be, you know, there, there, there was a little short short bit of time there where 16, 17, we saw a little bit of behind the scenes of his rehab uh, to get back from, I, I believe it was a shoulder injury, the amount of work that went into that. Mate, j- just from looking at how like close to perfect his game was for so long, there must be so much work that Billy Slater does behind the scenes. I imagine he's one of those guys that's the last one off the training paddock. Yeah, and one of the the type of guy that's very competitive, got to win everything, and that all starts you know off the field. Yeah, you know, your preseason runs, you had to be out in front, winning them, um, competing. You know, whether it's in a wrestle session, wrestling against people, he, he had to. Yeah, so it was, it was definitely his game on the field was a reflection of the way he went off the field. Um, yeah, ultra competitive, ultra trained hard, um, and had this to, to, um, to go with it as well. Dive into your two wingers, and uh, the, the, the first guy, he's been pretty common in a lot of teams, Israel Folau. Obviously, burst onto the scene for the Melbourne Storm. I, I, I believe you, you were in that side. What was it, 07, 08, that he first came onto the scene, Israel Folau? Yeah, I actually remember the first time I heard his name. Um, he, he came, he was um, being brought down to the Melbourne Storm and uh, uh, officer at the time, Peter O'Sullivan. Uh, I remember him saying, um, talking about Greg Nicholas and how good Greg Nicholas was. And he said, oh, I've got a, a kid that's going to be better coming down. And uh, I thought, oh, here we go. This is a, a tall tale if I've ever heard one. And my um, turned up in the season. And, uh, you know, I don't know whether he would have been in the league, would have been better than Greg English, but he's, uh, he's certainly been in the run for his 
We, we actually had Peter O'Sullivan on the podcast and he told that story and he just said that, you know, he showed up to, I'm pretty sure it was like a carnival that he saw him at and he just, he looked over all the fields and Israel Flower was the first thing he saw and essentially before he even saw him play rugby league, he was like, geez, I know this guy's going to be different just by the way he was built. Yeah, he's um, a bit like, uh, and, and Jack White is very similar um, in the way that they're just athletic. Like, uh, I always have to look from the, the, you know, the horses in the front, even in the thoroughbred before they go out on the truck. And they're great. You can just see you know, the, the muscle fibers in their, in their zone and leg muscles. And, um, they're very impressive athletes. Mate, the guy that you picked on the other side, uh, a guy that I think is criminally underrated in rugby league, uh, lives down in Gerringong at the moment. I, I saw him down there a few weeks ago, actually. Rod Wishart, uh, one of the Steelers' favourite sons. Yeah, it was a bit of a strange one. This is, um, you know, probably going back to when I was a kid. Um, you know, the kid, he was uh, back in his time when he was one of the stars of the game. And uh, I don't know what it was. But, you know, as a kid, you sort of attracted players and, and idolised players. He was one of those. Um, you know, the, the, the big size, maybe the big powerful size, the way he played. Uh, I'm not sure what it was. But um, I, I had to have a goal kicker in the side, so uh, he was in there. Jeezy could hit them, couldn't he? Very good goal kicker, yeah. Very powerful runner of the ball, too. Mate, in the centres, uh, you've gone for two... Absolute juggernauts. The first one, another guy that you played alongside, you did mention him before, Greg Inglis. Um, mate, I imagine as far as just freakish talent goes and just – he just had stuff that you you either have it or you don't, GI, essentially, and he certainly had it. What's your greatest memory from playing alongside GI, mate? Oh, um, those seven grand finals. Um, you know, I was able to get a, an offload away to him and, and run about 80 metres. Um, in the field, and uh, it was just you know watching that back, um, you know one of those memories. But you know, it was almost surreal. Uh, uh, fortunately, probably the other one is Jamie Sowers. It was back down in um, Northern where he uh, he launched Jamie Sowers one arm up into the air and and picked up the piece away from him, and um, you know in a in a palm. So he's just so big and powerful. Uh, but one of those guys that could really, he just decided when he wanted to turn it on. Um, you know, he'd have to go as hard as he needed to, but he wanted to. Uh, when, he, when he decided on to turn, it, turn on the uh, afterburners, he, uh, he just certainly, he, he just done it so easily. Mate, it was funny. The dream team that we had on last week was, of course, Jamie Soward, and he, of course, had to pick GI in his team as well. But, mate, that palm, <laughs> it was like nothing I've seen before. And even the ability to palm across his body, like carrying, I think he's right-handed, but palm with his left hand across his body was uh, was amazing. It was just, you know, he's just one of those players that you know if he gets the ball and he's in mood, he'll just do whatever he wants. Mate, you mentioned that 2007 grand final as well. I remember being out there that day. I remember watching that try live. And, mate, to be honest with you, I watched a replay of it a few months ago because I was doing something on Greg Inglis, and I didn't realise it was you that actually threw that pass. Uh, mate, you don't get anywhere near enough credit for it. Well, the funny thing is, I actually, um, when I um, passed the ball, I fell on, on my elbow and popped the shoulder. Um, so I actually got left on the ground. 
uh, down the other end of the football field, boy. I remember last in agony uh, watching uh, all the teammates celebrate way down the other end, celebrate and try, and, and here I was with a, um, a bunk shoulder. So it, it, um, it was a great memory. Mate, obviously uh, your other centre, uh, a Canberra Raiders great, and I think the thing that stood out for me most recently about Mal Meninga is the documentary that Ricky Stewart had released on KO about him and the way that he talks about Mal is just unbelievable. I mean, it seems like Ricky has so much respect for this guy. Obviously, a guy that you would have grown up watching, but I'd love to hear Ricky tell some more tales about Mal. Listen, you know, I've heard many uh, wonderful stories from Ricky about the days he played with Mal. And this is probably, this selection was from the, the being wide receiver, was probably from you know, when I was the young Raiders um, supporter uh, back in the and they had pay days and you know, he was the ultimate, wasn't he? He's, a, he's a, a, the ultimate center, the ultimate man, ultimate leader. So, you know, I, I don't reckon that he turned into the um, team's pick. People without uh, having the in them. Mate, do you think if he was to play in the game nowadays, he'd be out in the centers or would he be in the back row? It'd be an in- interesting one, wouldn't it? Uh, I, I don't know how, uh, you know, what, what would you say that? Oh, yeah. Certainly interesting discussion, wouldn't it? Where you know, still be able to play out there. I'm sure you know the speed, so no doubt you know to be able to carry the speed and, and you know you'd get to do it uh, into today's game. He'd be a terrifying prospect on either side, mate. He'd be unreal. You're 5'8". Uh, one of the most talented guys we've ever seen. One of the most complete footballers ever, in my opinion. Brad Fittler. Tell me about Freddie, mate. Imagine him um, you know, just drifting around where he wants off the back of you know, a halfback like Cooper Cross. Uh, you know, we can the ball and, and I was thinking he could be the quarterback. Freddie probably was a hard one as well with I had, had to talk up with, of course, Corey Daly, uh, you know, being a middle rated rated player, but ultimately, obviously, Freddie, his uh, big left foot uh, step uh, was something, you know, one of those things, you, just, you know, when you talk about left foot steps or, or big steps, you know, and ball running players, that, um, you know, he's the first bloke that comes to mind. Uh, mate, uh, along with Freddie as well, I mean, you could pick him at six. If you were to pick him at lock or at centre as well, I don't think I could possibly argue with you. He'd, he'd, he'd be in there somewhere, wouldn't he? Um, yeah, he, he? Big enough to play in the forward, you know, um, skill-wise and ability in the halves, and, and, and it wouldn't be you know, out of place in the centre. So, you know, you could fit him in anywhere. Now, mate, the seven jersey. Uh, every single dream team I've done so far has had Andrew Johns in the seven jersey. For me, I've always said I think Andrew Johns is the better footballer, but I think Cooper Cronk's the better halfback. I think as far as being a pure seven goes, Cooper Cronk, he's the guy for me. You played a lot of football with him. I'm sure you took a lot of orders from him. Tell us about Cooper. He's probably the best player I've played with. Um, yeah, you know, and that's only my opinion. Um, I, I I just saw him as the ultimate batman in, in every area, uh, on field, off field. Uh, his leadership, his you know, uh, way he trained, way he demanded things out of others. Um, you know, he would he would make sure you were doing your job. He'd, he'd have everyone in where they needed to be. Um, but as a person, uh, he was just the ultimate person as well. You know, team man, he, 
we knew how to have a good time uh, away, away from football and get all the boys together and, and really bring that team um, in, I guess, culture together. So he, uh, he was probably the first picked in, uh, yeah, well, he was the, the first picked in uh, any team that you know, Dream Team run, you know, picked um, to play with. Certainly the best player I've Mate, the, the thing that stands out for me there is that you said he's the best player you played with, and realistically, I think he played his best football probably after you were playing with him, which is a scary thought. What are you trying to say? Oh, <laughs> mate, it might have something to do with you just quietly. <laughs> Not getting him enough quick playables to play off the back <laughs> off, mate. <laughs> no, but, mate, it's crazy to think how his career has unfolded that, you know, obviously you, you played your last game with him uh, at the Melbourne Storm in 2010. And, I mean, after that, I think he won another four or five grand finals. And I think he lost another two as well, which is unbelievable. Yeah, you just got to look at, um, you know, I think that uh, the grand final he played with is the second, uh, um, you know, because he had a done in that game, like, it's not a not a small injury, and, and some of the impact he took on that shoulder during that grand final just to get the job done. Um, yeah, it was amazing. And that's him. He's uh, you know, he's front row, and he can um, give the halfbacks plenty of plenty of uh, a hard time about yeah being halfbacks and and playing in dinner suits. But he's certainly a halfback that um, you know played it just as physically as he did. Uh, I guess tactically. And, mate, I have no doubt that when you left Melbourne, you had Cooper Kong in the highest regard, but did you appreciate him more when you got the opportunity to play against him? Um, I don't know if I could appreciate him any more than you know, the time I spent with him. Yeah. Um, it's always, yeah, in my mind, it's always held in high regard. And uh, it's funny, when, when he retired, when he put a video together of him and I, um, yeah, I put on my Instagram page and... Uh, it's something when I looked at it, I just feel so lucky to have um, yeah, had that time to play with someone of, you know, someone like him. It really meant, meant a lot um, to look back at those times and you know, to Mate, let's dive into your front rowers. And I imagine being a front rower yourself, uh, you know, you would have had a number of guys to choose from here. You've ended up going for one New South Welshman and an Englishman as well. The first guy, Paul Harrigan, chief, uh, obviously captain of that 97 Newcastle team. I imagine as a young bloke, this would have would have been a guy that you would have absolutely loved. Yeah, I went along the golden rule of um, yeah, front rowers. They had a had to be the most intimidating players of the game and I don't think there was too many more intimidating than, than the Chief, you know. I, just, I used to love watching you know, him and um, you know, Spud Carroll go head-to-head and you know, he's big, athletic. I, I, you know, I've got no doubt he, he's one of those old-school old front rowers that could uh, go around in today's game, uh, the, way, you know, the way he moved and um, his athleticism, um, you know, and just... Just played the game the way uh, front rower should, and it was physical. Mate, speaking of playing physical, the next fella, your other front rower, Adrian Morley, uh, he just personifies being physical, doesn't he? He, he was uh, he was one of those players when you played against. Uh, you certainly look up and see where he is in the line, and, and whether you're going to run the ball or, or pass it on to someone else. Uh, he, he, uh, the pinnacle of intimidation was, was Adrian Morley. He, uh, 
I remember actually watching a game when I was, I was um, oh, about 20 years old from the sideline and, and he, he hit someone off the kickoff and I've never heard anything like it. It stuck in my mind that, um, you know, yeah, someone could you know, tackle so hard as that. And, uh, certainly um, made me look up a few times when uh, playing against him. I think, mate, the thing that stands out for me about Adrian Morley is that every time I talk to a footballer about Morley, each of them has a different story that they remember him for. Like these, these acts of just brutality, essentially, they were just so common in his game. And the, the, the finding one was, uh, you know, the, the second tackle off a kick chase, though. So. He'd, he'd miss the kick chase, but come down, miss the line speed on that next one, and come out of line. And you know, if he if he got you, it was uh, yeah, it was a physical shot. So that was his um, that was his main go to sort of um, where he'd get his, his intimidation factor. Is that flying out of line on those just after kick chases um, and going after someone? And it really was the hallmark of those early 2000 Roosters sides, wasn't it? Their line speed was unbelievable, quite often led by Adrian Morley. That's where we won them the grand final, you know. I spoke to Ricky a number of times about those days, you know, when he was a coach. And, and he, he talks about the, the line speed back then and, and yeah, you know, uh, being important to the their style of play and how they defended. And, they, they, you know, to be honest, they just intimidated teams. Mate, let's move into your back row. And uh, the first guy, he's been a common one in a lot of dream teams, Sam Burgess. Um, just made of something different, wasn't he? It was incredible. I, uh, I still remember I actually played against him the first time I, I, I'd seen him play. Uh, I was in the Four Nations in, I think, 2009. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to go over, over there and play in it with Australia. And uh, I remember the final, uh, playing against him and just going, who is this guy? Like, I've, I've never really heard of him. Um, and I remember him making a line break through the middle um, and just you know, got to the fullback and it was like incredible feet at speed for big men um, you know, to, to get past the fullback. It was um, you know, just one of those naturally gifted um, you know, footballers. Like, it's almost the ultimate prototype of, of a footballer. Um, was incredible. So it really caught me off my eye that, that this game. I remember it and um, you know, coming out to Australia and, and, and just some incredible things in, in the NRL. I think it was that same tour, mate, when essentially all of us were introduced to Sam Burgess in Australia. I remember that game where New Zealand, uh, where England had a line dropout and they kicked it straight to Fui Fui Moi Moi. And as you said, this was 2009, so this is when Moy Moy was on fire and Burgess just absolutely levelled him. Yes, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, uh, yeah. And and there aren't too many guys that run harder than Fui uh, Fui and, and to do that. Uh, you know, he had both sides to it, didn't he? He had that intimidation and defence and that ability to do that. But um, yeah, with the ball, incredibly skillful. Um, and the athleticism of a team was um, yeah, phenomenal. You talk about intimidation factor and the other guy you picked in the back row, another one of those guys that you could have picked in the second row, you could have picked him in the front row, you could have picked him in the centres, and I wouldn't have argued with it. Ruben Wiki, a champion of our game. Yeah, I had to have him in the, in the old packers. Uh, again, that intimidation factor. Uh, another story as, as a young kid I remember being on the sideline watching him um, 
play a game at Jubilee. And uh, he got a couple of guys, he come in late in the tackles uh, and got a couple of guys in the ribs. And he, again, I just remember walking these tackles that he was making, uh, crunching guys, just going, wow, just, you know, this is amazing, um, you know, to be able to see this, you know, score that's just, you know, really um, physically intimidating. Uh, the opposition through these tackles and, and what he was doing. So everything I've ever heard about Ruben is a wonderful boat, uh, really hard, and a great clubman. Uh, uh, he'd, he'd be one of the boats that uh, ultimately would have loved to have played with. Mate, let's move to your lock forward and talk about guys you would have loved to have played with. I know you would have absolutely loved to play with this guy. Everyone I hear talk about Dallas Johnson. They just hold him in the highest regard. And, I was actually talking about him on the podcast the other day that, mate, he was he was honestly, from what I saw, he was too tough for his own good. I mean, the, the amount of times that he would have a concussion or something like that and he would play through it. I mean, I don't know how long he'd last in the modern game. I, I could, I've never seen a bloke go harder. Yeah, you've got to ask the question. Would he have had the very, um, he had in, in today's game with, with all that? Um, I'm not sure, but... Yeah, he gave away so much weight. He, he wasn't a he wasn't a big guy that uh, that took on you know, the, the biggest in the in the game front on. Um. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, he had a wonderful tackle technique to be able to, we used to talk about, um, or, or Craig Belliard used to talk about the, the Dow zone, where, where he'd want blokes hitting uh, with their shoulders and on tackles and the zone where Dallas Johnson used to used to get blokes in, you know, just in under the ribs, uh, funnel was, um, you know, many a bloke he cut in half. He actually, my first run in State of Origin, uh, I actually run straight, you know, silly enough, run straight at him and, um, and remember the feeling of um, him cutting in half was just incredible. Uh, you know, I still remember Lane just going, oh my God, where, you know, what just happened? Where does that come from? Um, and as he was a, a teammate at the time and just nailed me and cut me in half. Um, he was just one of those guys, again, that, that turned up every game. And, and I think the, the best thing about Dallas was he always knew what you were going to get. He wouldn't take a backward step. He was the most consistent player. Um, would, would just put in those performances week after week. Um, you know, whether he's carrying an injury or not, it didn't matter. He was going to turn up and do his job. What was he like, mate, um, du- during the week at training or in the gym? Because it all just looked 100 miles an hour when he was out there on a Sunday afternoon. What was it like Monday to Friday? What, 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 what sort of a fella is Dallas Johnson like? He was a perfectionist of training. Um, you know, he would, after training sessions, he'd work on his tackle te- technique. And you know, I often talk about him to our young guys that, you know, that we work on, on their defences about this Dallas Johnson, who was the best tackler in the game, but, but, but um, 
you know, after training, you know, he'd want you to hold a tackle pad and, um, you know, he'd work on it. And I remember saying to him, yeah, you, you know, you're so good at it. You know, you go, oh, yeah, but on the weekend, I was a little bit late or I was a little bit, you know, I didn't have my body in the right position. I want to get that right. But you've had it right for years, but he still strives for that yeah, ultimate perfection in his, in his technique. And, um, yeah, I reckon it's a really good lesson for young guys um, today is that, yeah, no matter how good you are, that you, you continue to improve and, and, and strive to be even better um, than you are at the moment. So, um, yeah, he was he was that, that um, ultimate perfectionist is probably the best way to describe him. Mate, explains why Craig Bellamy loved him so much. Yeah, well, he was he was one of those um, you know, favourite sons um, down there, a bit like you know, the Ryan Hinchcliffe. Um, type player down there at Melbourne where um, you know, all the boys give him heaps without being the, the teacher's pet or the, 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 the coach's favourite son but um, yeah there's, there's certainly reasons behind it and it was around his work ethic and um, yeah, I think that consistency in, in, in week in week out performances that, that really done it for him but um, you know actually for, for the selection of the lock I, I struggled a bit because there was a couple of couple other blokes that probably were unlucky to miss out. There was another bloke who was very similar to Josh Miller um, who played for the Raiders. Um, and, and he was probably the other one I um, would like to put in there because for the same thing, just that you know, ultimate put his body on the line week in, week out. You know what you're going to get from him. Um, and I, I think in, in, a, in a forward pack uh, with the likes of you know, Morley and Harrigan, you just need that one to tie it all together and, and, and um, hold them hold them through the middle. Mate, you mentioned before coaches' favourites and whatnot, and I've left this guy till very last. I imagine he would be the captain of this side for you, Cameron Smith. Tell me about Smithy, mate. Yeah, well, you know, the, the, he's a future model, isn't he? He's, oh. model he should have been yesterday, yet. shouldn't he? Uh, Far out. Yeah, I think he's, he would have come close to getting it uh, as a player with yeah, you know, he's just, um, you know, I, I don't think you could, you know, there's too much you, you could say about him that hasn't already been said or people don't. Um, you know, he, he's just the way he went about it. Um, obviously, he's a one but I think wherever he went, he was, he was going to have a similar career. Um, you know, just so laid back, uh, so easy going. Uh, on and off the field, nothing faced him. You could never rattle him. Um, yeah, he's just yeah. What what a um, what an ultimate player. And I imagine it must be crazy for you to think like when you left Melbourne in 2010. I mean, ten years later, he was still winning a premiership for the Melbourne Storm and still being the most valuable guy on the field for me in last year's grand final. <laughs> It's it's a period of time that he's done it. It wasn't just you know a short period. You know, fifteen years of being the best best player in the game. Like and um, that, again, that consistency. How he done it. You know, like playing in the middle, giving away you know so much uh, size and I guess weight, but still not get your body back. You know, he never seemed to really carry an injury till you know close to his, his probably his last year. He started to carry carry um, a few niggles but besides that you know it, it rarely football game um, it's just you know 
in, in the trophy cabinet in his house and it would look like. Mate, he's just uh, – I the, the other thing, that, and obviously I've done a few of these dream teams now, and Cameron Smith, he has been the one guy that's been picked in every single team. And, you know, you can understand why. And I've always said that with Cameron Smith, you could divide his career in half, and you could take the first half of Cameron Smith and the second half as two separate players. And I still think either of them would be the nine, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable, mate. Before I let you go, if I had to put you on the spot, I think I know the answer. But uh, who would be your coach? Uh, well, I'd um, obviously it'd be Craig Bellamy, but uh, actually, you know what? No, I'm going to go Jack Gibson because I, I would have loved to have um, you know, had a chance to uh, you know, the stories you hear about Jack Gibson. Um, you know, I, I reckon I'll throw him. Mate, I think the craziest thing about Jack Gibson is I think you'll be hearing the same, like you, you'll be telling your boys the same stories and I think they'll be telling their boys the same stories. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's funny. I, I think that, yeah, um, how many people, uh, how many, I guess, coaches nowadays or have a story about you know, Jack Gibson or something he's done or something he said and you know, how much um, you know, how much of himself he passed on to and the game, how many took took things on board that he'd done or said? Um, yeah, it's been amazing uh, what he's passed on to others and, and down to our game. And mate, the amount of stuff he said forty years ago that is still spot on today is unreal. I, I heard one at the start of the season. I think it was where, where, where a game at Amy Park, and you know the seagulls always gather in one part where there's no footballs around. And his old saying was always kick to the seagulls. Just so perfect, it, isn't it? It is. It's yeah. You know, it's those simple things, and um, I, 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 yeah, from everything I've, I've heard, uh, is, uh, yeah. It's, um, and he's made it, you know, our game is simple and he always made it simple. You know, it's a simple thing. Anyone remembers, you know, kick to the seagulls uh, and, um, you know, be able to coach that way and not overcoach and not, you know, try and be too smart about it and just kept it simple. Yeah, simplicity is perfect sometimes, mate. Brett, I thoroughly appreciate you coming on, mate. I know it must be chaotic up there at the moment with families and postponed competitions and everything going on. Alongside that, you've got your own football team to take care of. We thoroughly appreciate your time, mate. Hey, thanks very much. And, um, yeah, hopefully we keep the, the greatest game going and uh, all the way to the end of the season. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a wonderful experience up here and... Uh, like I said, it's something we'll all look back on in years to come and um, they tell stories about it. So it's, uh, it's very much fascinating. Who are the Canberraiders going to play in the grand final? Yep. Fair shout. Two, two of your favourites, mate. <laughs> thanks for your time, brother. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, mate. Thanks. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 